DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Brian Keel. Time to talk a little Cougar football, part of the red and the blue every Friday here. The former BYU linebacker joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? We're doing well. So I'm curious now with these three games coming up, uh, where BYU is going to be heavily favored in all of them. Uh, you like this. It bores you. It bores you, but you think it's necessary and you're worried about next year when they don't have a three-game stretch like this, not on paper at this point anyway. Uh, what, what do you think about this stretch of games playing Liberty and Idaho State and UMass? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. Um, considering where our season has gone, and where, where we've been, it, it's kind of it's kind of good um, that we have. We don't want to call them. I don't want to call them fluff games, but you know there are three games that we should win. Um, you know we really have to stub our toe to lose any of these three games. And so, considering that we're behind on our our win loss record, I mean this really helps us out. Ideally, ideally, you know, we're we're not in this situation. It, it is it's not ideal in terms of fan engagement, excitement, national exposure, all those things, recruiting. So, I mean, it, it's not great for those, but it it will help our win loss record. So, and I, I understand it. You know, scheduling in Independence, it's it's not a cup of tea. It's 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 difficult. So, you know, I, I give credit to Homo and the, and the others in the athletic department. Um, I think they've done a good job, and and you know, it seems like they're doing as well as they can. So last week you were said you were going to apologize if uh, Huntley played well. <laughs> Is he no longer a game uh, manager in your eyes? <laughs> right to it. Um, yeah. So I tweeted. Uh, I tweeted out right as the game was ending. I watched the whole game, and um, you know, honestly, I was pretty excited for the first half and into the into the into the third quarter because um, he didn't play bad, um, but it wasn't like he was playing great. Um, I, on, in my tweet, I called him mediocre, and, and some new fans took exception to that. But um, I think he had about 90 yards passing at the half, um, been sacked three times, and the, Utah as a whole team were, weren't, weren't playing great. Um, they, had, they were good, with, which they always are at turnovers, and that helped the game. Um, but then, anyway, back to, to your question. Um, yes, I did apologize. I did, I did admit I was wrong um, because Tyler Huntley stepped it up. Um, regardless of how anybody wants to say he played in, in the first couple quarters, he absolutely dominated the end of the game, especially on third down. And it was, it was his play, particularly on third down, that won me over. Um, because, yeah, game, game managers... When it's when it's third and ten, um, the offense just runs the ball or runs a screen or just gets out of the situation. They're scared um, and they don't they don't trust the game manager. And and it was the exact opposite. You know, he 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 delivered absolutely in the clutch multiple times on third down with big time throws, and and he won me over. He um, he he proved he's, he's much more than a game manager. Is he an NFL guy? Um, you know, so he's he's an interesting. Absolutely, he'll get a look. Um, he's an interesting um, evaluation for the NFL, just because of he has certain skill sets that 
enable him to dominate the college game, which he has this year. And and those skill sets aren't aren't as effective in the NFL. That's not to say that he can't go there and continue to do well. And he's already proved me wrong, so I'm sure he can prove other people wrong. Um, but it'll be an interesting evaluation to see what happens with him, and a lot will depend on how he finishes out the season. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't thrown for a ton of yards. He's been really careful. He's accurate with the ball. He's obviously a phenomenal athlete. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he translates. I, I, I definitely think he'll get a look, like, um, as, a, as an undrafted free agent. I, I don't think he'll get drafted unless he just lights it up and Utah plays well or wins the, the Pac-12 championship game or, or something like that. You know, maybe he, he gets up himself where he's, he's, he gets drafted. Um, but for sure, he should he should go as an undrafted free agent, and then it'll be, you know, if he continues to develop. If you look at where he was a couple of years ago, and if you look at where he is now, um, obviously he has improved by leaps and bounds. And so, if he continues to improve, you know, who knows? See, that's why I'm sure he'll get a look. If you win, you don't turn it over. You're accurate. You're athletic, and you're improving dramatically. They're absolutely going to give you a look. What I wonder, and you've been in NFL camp, so you probably can answer this better than us. You've probably seen the phenomena. There are guys who get one look and one chance, and they're out. And there are guys who look like they get six looks and six chances. I don't know how much teams invest in them or how how long a look they take, but they're going to take a look. Yeah. You're exactly right, and it's kind of weird how that that works out. What you just said, and it's funny how certain guys just kind of seem to get endless opportunities. And you know, I don't whether it's they have a big arm or you know they came from a big time school, and and scouts and teams just get enamored with something like that, even despite them not being able to produce. But and, and other guys, don't, you know, it's kind of like one and done. But I agree with you. He he has absolutely done too much to not get a look. So, I mean, I would be floored if he didn't sign as an undrafted free agent somewhere and and the way he's played he might you know slip into the later rounds and and even improve that depending on if he kills the last couple games and maybe a Pac-12 championship game um, and 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 the bowl game um, you know he can really improve his stock there and then if he goes and kills the combine um, you know, if he goes and runs a crazy 40 and has a, a strong arm, you know, in the combine, you know, he's absolutely going to improve his stock. So the Cougars obviously haven't played very, very well the last two weeks, last two games. And from whether you include the coaches or the players, and let's include them both, where have you seen the most improvement with this football team? Um, so I think – in my opinion, in the last two games, there's been two areas, you know, one with the coaches and one with the players, that to me has stood out the most. Um, with the coaches, it's been the play calling and the sense of urgency. Um, you know, it, not conservative, willing to take chances, um, just aggressive play calling. And it, it's just been night and day the last two games. And then with the players, it's it's been just the emotion of the players on the field, and I don't I don't know if if everybody's noticed that or if it's I don't know, but I've definitely noticed it with the players the last two games, and you know it, it makes a difference. It, it makes a difference how engaged the players are, how focused they are, their intensity, how whether or not it's just looking at them, their body language. I think at times in the last couple of years 
you look at some of the players and it looks like they're not even excited to be there. And um, I, 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 that's the opposite, in my opinion, the last two games. Absolutely excited, flying around, high-fiving, hooting, hollering. And that's what's fun. That's, that's what you like to see. And, and then the results speak for themselves. So I'm curious, you know, defensive guys don't always want to compliment offensive guys, and offensive guys don't always want to compliment defensive guys until they get to a certain level where they're just great and they're off the charts, and then everybody will say it. I don't think BYU has been great and off the charts, you know, with 28 and 42 points in these last two games. Those are good numbers, but in college football they're not off the charts. But the thing that I think has been impressive, and I wonder if you find that, maybe I'm uh, wrong about this, but I am just stunned at the way they have moved between quarterbacks because of injuries and don't seem to miss a beat. That, to me, is to make these numbers impressive. If you just look at 28 on a paper, that's not a big number. But when you're bouncing back and forth between second and third string quarterbacks and not missing a beat, that seems to me really unusual. Yeah, it, 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 it's not normal in college football to have backups be that competent, uh, especially at at you know just average just typical programs you know you go to like the big powerhouse programs you know ohio state and and alabama and well alabama is not a great example for quarterback but every other position but um but anyway the the, the premier programs yeah they got depth beyond depth beyond depth um but the rest of the country they don't have depth like that especially at quarterback it's super abnormal to have second and third stringers come in and the offense just continues clipping right along. So I agree with you, and that has been absolutely impressive. And it's a it's a credit to these coaches and the way that they've gone about their business and preparing these kids. And it's a credit to these kids who have risen to the challenge, not batted an eye, been thrown out in un un uh, you know unideal circumstances, and just gone out there and performed. And and so I've just been super impressed. I tweeted during the game that, you know, our, our, our deepest position group is quarterback. And it's, it's a blessing. It's awesome to see. Um, and it, it absolutely has saved us this season. If when you played, you could have made money off your likeness or image, how much money do you think you could have made? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think I could have made – I mean, I don't know how much. I think I could have made a decent amount, especially at the end of my career down there. Um, I kind of – I mean, I don't know. You know, some people would say I have a big mouth, and I wouldn't argue against them. But um, like it or love it, I, I did open my mouth. I still do, which is why you guys have me on the show. I'm not afraid to speak my mind. So I think those things helped me get more exposure than I – that I otherwise would have, and so I think that would have helped me, you know, if, if these rules were in place back then. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, who knows how much I could have made? I, I definitely wouldn't have turned it away, you know. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds with these guys. I think, I think it's, I think it's ultimately going to be good. I, I am a little worried about how they enforce it and how they regulate it, um, and I think that that has to be done properly and carefully. But I think at the end of the day, it's a shame that you have these, you know, you talk about Ohio State and Alabama, you talk about these powerhouse programs and the millions upon tens of millions of dollars that they're pulling in every single season. You know, it's crazy that, you know, some kids go hungry, that they can't pay their bills and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm glad that it'll be uh, addressed. 
what will the politics be like in the locker room? We don't know what the system's going to look like. But if the schools have the opportunity to hire someone, the same way they hire a compliance person or a strength and conditioning coach, if they hire support staff who are basically salespeople who go line this stuff in the, up in the community so that it's not – you don't have a lot of time as a player to go line this stuff up and do it. But if they have someone line it up, who do they funnel it to? The quarterback's going to get the most to start running back or wide receiver, right? But how is that going to work in the locker room when some guys could be pulling down quite a bit and other, you know, may not be pulling down anything? Yeah, um, it, it, it will be, like I said, it goes back to it'll be tricky, it'll be delicate, they're going to have to manage it properly. When you're dealing with, with 18 to 22-year-olds, it's different than the NFL and other pro sports where you're dealing more with 22 to 40 year olds. And obviously there's the maturity difference, you know, every year of, of life on this great earth and, you know, kids fresh out of high school, they just, they don't have the same maturity as 30 year olds. And so, yeah, you're going to have some instances where guys are going to be jealous. And especially if you have a, a team employee that's pushing reps towards certain players and then some players will feel like they deserve more and um so yeah i think that'll be something that'll be that'll be addressed it'll, it'll need to be addressed otherwise it can be another issue but i honestly don't think it'll be that much more than what already goes on with politics and preferences of playing time and there's, there's already those dynamics in the locker room. Every single team in this country has players who aren't playing that feel like they should. And they feel, you know, there's tons of guys who feel like they're NFL guys if they could just get the chance and they're getting robbed out of that and blah, blah, blah. So there, those dynamics are already there, but I absolutely think this will add to it and it'll be something that will be delicately needed to be managed. See, I think you would have made a killing for a couple of reasons. Obviously, you were a great player, and you're playing for a prominent program, but you have a different, uh, a, a pro- not necessarily an approach, but a background that others don't have. A, you're local, you know, raised here, played high school here, you have a charismatic personality, uh, and B, you come from a known family. C, you have an interesting background. I mean, I, I grew up in the, well, I didn't grow up, but I my kids did, and I live in the Brighton area, and everybody knows about the Keels. My wife taught at uh, the junior high up there on Newcastle, so she had a bunch of them come through. So you had all that stuff going on, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see if the player then decides to stay local because he's by the time you went to BYU, the Keel brand name, so to speak, was already out there. And so why go to someplace, and I'm sure you could have gone to other places. You played in the NFL, so obviously you were a superior talent. Why go to other places? It made sense financially if with, you know, with the new rules, if they're implemented, for you to stay local because you could cash in on your name even more. What do you think about that? Yeah, wow. You know what? You just kind of gave an epiphany to me. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, and I think you're 100% right. That absolutely, it, you know, if this all unfolds and becomes commonplace, I think you are 100% right. And it'll, it will affect recruiting because players will, they will start to think about how to maximize not just their path to the NFL, but also their earning potential in that path to the NFL. So, yeah, I think you're 100% right. Staying local, if this, if this unfolds, staying local will, will weigh more heavy on kids' minds 
as they decide where to go. And, and if you look around, I mean, I'll just give you guys an example. This was something that I, I remember hearing and it like blew me away. Um, when I went to the Rams, our middle linebacker was James Laurinaitis, um, star player, played at Ohio State. And there's, there's certain markets that just have rabid fans unlike other markets. And Ohio State and the state of Ohio is a perfect example of that. And we were just kind of floored talking to James because he made, he made more money in appearances in between the time he finished playing at, at, at Ohio State and the time that he drafted. He made more money in appearances than he did in his rookie base salary. Yeah. So you're talking three, four, several hundred thousand dollars in appearances. And it, it just like blew us away because obviously that market is not present here in Utah. Um, and so going back to your point, yeah, if this unfolds and it, and it becomes commonplace, it will absolutely affect recruiting and it will affect these kids' decisions because, of, again, it's not just about getting to the NFL. Now it would be about maxima- maximizing my earner- earnings on my way to the NFL. See, that's where a school like Ohio State, you know, the Columbus market is about the same size as Salt Lake City. And the Salt Lake City market is the entire state of Utah. That includes, you know, when you're talking with car dealerships and advertising all that. But someone at Ohio State can s- probably sell cars in Cleveland and Cincinnati, too. So there are some no markets, problem. you know, I mean, going to L.A. and playing for USC, no one's really going to have access to a, a market like that with a brand name like that. So it will definitely accentuate some of the differences between some of these programs. All right, Brian, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for spending time with us. We will talk to you again next week. Well, it was a pleasure, guys. Have a good weekend. Brian Keel, the red and the blue, every Friday right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.